Chapters twenty six and twenty seven of A House of Gentlefolk by Ivan Turgenev. Translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty six. Two days later, Maria Dmitrievna visited Vasilievskaya according to her promise with all her young people. The little girls ran at once into the garden while Maria Dmitrievna languidly walked through the rooms and languidly admired everything. She regarded her visit to Lavretsky as a sign of great condescension, almost as a deed of charity. She smiled graciously when Anton and Apraxia kissed her hand in the old-fashioned house-servant's style, and in a weak voice, speaking through her nose, asked for some tea. To the great vexation of Anton, who had put on knitted white gloves for the purpose, tea was not handed to the grand lady visitor by him, but by Lavretsky's hired valet, who, in the old man's words, had not a notion of what was proper. To make up for this, Anton resumed his rights at dinner. He took up a firm position behind Maria Dmitrievna's chair, and he would not surrender his post to anyone. The appearance of guests after so long an interval at Vasilievskaya fluttered and delighted the old man. It was a pleasure to him to see that his master was acquainted with such fine gentlefolk. He was not, however, the only one who was fluttered that day. Lem, too, was in agitation. He had put on a rather short snuff-coloured coat with a swallow-tail, and tied his neck-handkerchief stiffly, and he kept incessantly coughing and making way for people with a cordial and affable air. Lavretsky noticed with pleasure that his relations with Lisa were becoming more intimate. She had held out her hand to him affectionately directly she came in. After dinner, Lem drew out of his coat-tail pocket, into which he had continually been fumbling, a small roll of music paper, and compressing his lips, he laid it without speaking on the pianoforte. It was a song, composed by him the evening before, to some old-fashioned German words, in which mention was made of the stars. Lisa sat down at once to the piano and played at sight the song. Alas, the music turned out to be complicated and painfully strained. It was clear that the composer had striven to express something passionate and deep, but nothing had come of it. The effort had remained an effort. Lavretsky and Lisa both felt this, and Lem understood it. Without uttering a single word, he put his song back into his pocket, and in reply to Lisa's proposal to play it again, he only shook his head and said significantly, Now, enough. And shrinking into himself, he turned away. Towards evening, the whole party went out to fish. In the pond, behind the garden, there were plenty of carp and groundlings. Maria Dmitrievna was put in an armchair near the banks, in the shade, with a rug under her feet, and the best line was given to her. Anton, as an old experienced angler, 
offered her his services he zealously put on the worms and clapped his hands on them spat on them and even threw in the line with a graceful forward swing of his whole body maria dmitrievna spoke of him the same day to fedor ivanitch in the following phrase in boarding-school french il n'y a plus maintenant de ce genre comme ça comme autrefois lem with the two little girls went off further to the dam of the pond lavretsky took up his position near lisa the fish were continually biting the carp were constantly flashing in the air with golden and silvery sides as they were drawn in the cries of pleasure of the little girls were incessant even maria dmitrievna uttered a little feminine shriek on two occasions the fewest fish were caught by lavretsky and lisa probably this was because they paid less attention than the others to the angling and allowed their floats to swim back right up to the bank the high reddish reeds rustled quietly around the still water shone quietly before them and quietly too they talked together lisa was standing on a small raft lavretsky sat on the inclined trunk of a willow lisa wore a white gown tied round the waist with a broad ribbon also white her straw hat was hanging on one hand and in the other with some effort she held up the crooked rod lavretsky gazed at her pure somewhat severe profile at her hair drawn back behind her ears at her soft cheeks which glowed like a little child's and thought oh how sweet you are bending over my pond lisa did not turn to him but looked at the water half frowning to keep the sun out of her eyes half smiling the shade of the lime tree near fell upon both do you know began lavretsky i have been thinking over our last conversation a great deal and have come to the conclusion that you are exceedingly good that was not at all my intention in lisa was beginning to reply and she was overcome with embarrassment you are good repeated lavretsky i am a rough fellow but i feel that every one must love you there's lem for instance he is simply in love with you lisa's brows did not exactly frown they contracted slightly it always happened with her when she heard something disagreeable to her i was very sorry for him to-day lavretsky added with his unsuccessful song to be young and to fail is bearable but to be old and not be successful is hard to bear and how mortifying it is to feel that one's forces are deserting one it is hard for an old man to bear such blows be careful you have a bite they say added lavretsky after a short pause that vladimir nikolaitch has written a very pretty song yes replied lisa it is only a trifle but not bad and what do you think inquired lavretsky is he a good musician i think he has great talent for music but so far he has not worked at it as he should ah and is he a good sort of man lisa laughed and glanced quickly at fedor ivanitch what a queer question she exclaimed drawing up her line and throwing it in again further off why is it queer 
i ask you about him as one who has only lately come here as a relation a relation yes i am it seems a sort of uncle of yours vladimir nikolaitch has a good heart said lisa and he is clever maman likes him very much and do you like him he is nice why should i not like him ah lavretsky uttered and ceased speaking a half mournful half ironical expression passed over his face his steadfast gaze embarrassed lisa but he went on smiling well god grant them happiness he muttered at last as though to himself and turned away his head lisa flushed you are mistaken fyodor ivanch she said you are wrong in thinking but don't you like vladimir nikolaitch she asked suddenly no i don't why i think he has no heart the smile left lisa's face it is your habit to judge people severely she observed after a long silence i don't think it is what right have i to judge others severely do you suppose when i must ask for indulgence in myself or have you forgotten that i am a laughing stock to every one who is not too indifferent even to scoff by the way he added did you keep your promise what promise did you pray for me yes i prayed for you and i pray for you every day but please do not speak lightly of that lavretsky began to assure lisa that the idea of doing so had never entered his head that he had the deepest reverence for every conviction then he went off into a discourse upon religion its significance in the history of mankind the significance of christianity one must be a christian observed lisa not without some effort not so as to know the divine and the earthly because every man has to die lavretsky raised his eyes in involuntary astonishment upon lisa and met her gaze what a strange saying you have just uttered he said it is not my saying she replied not yours but what made you speak of death i don't know i often think of it often yes one would not suppose so looking at you now you have such a bright happy face you are smiling yes i am very happy just now replied lisa simply lavretsky would have liked to seize both her hands and press them warmly lisa lisa cried marya dmitrievna do come here and look what a fine carp i have caught in a minute maman replied lisa and went towards her but lavretsky remained sitting on his willow i talked to her just as if life were not over for me he thought as she went away lisa hung her hat on a twig with strange almost tender emotion lavretsky looked at the hat and its long rather crumpled ribbons lisa soon came back to him and again took her stand on the platform what makes you think vladimir nikolaitch has no heart she asked a few minutes later i have told you already that i may be mistaken time will show however lisa grew thoughtful lavretsky began to tell her about his daily life at vasilievskaya about mikhalevich and about anton he felt a need to talk to lisa to share with her everything that was passing in his heart she listened so sweetly so attentively 
her few replies and observations seemed to him so simple and so intelligent he even told her so lisa was surprised really she said i thought that i was like my maid nastya i had no words of my own she said one day to her sweetheart you must be dull with me you always talk so finely to me and i have no words of my own and thank god for it thought lavretsky chapter twenty seven meanwhile the evening had come on maria dmitrievna expressed a desire to return home and the little girls were with difficulty torn away from the pond and made ready lavretsky declared that he would escort his guests halfway and ordered his horse to be saddled as he was handing maria dmitrievna into the coach he bethought himself of lem but the old man could nowhere be found he had disappeared directly after the angling was over anton with an energy remarkable for his years slammed the doors and called sharply go on coachman the coach started maria dmitrievna and lisa were seated in the back seat the children and their maid in the front the evening was warm and still and the windows were open on both sides lavretsky trotted near the coach on the side of lisa with his arm leaning on the door he had thrown the reins on the neck of his smoothly pacing horse and now and then he exchanged a few words with a young girl the glow of sunset was disappearing night came on but the air seemed to grow even warmer maria dmitrievna was soon slumbering the little girls and the maid fell asleep also the coach rolled swiftly and smoothly along lisa was bending forward she felt happy the rising moon lighted up her face the fragrant night breeze breathed on her eyes and cheeks her hand rested on the coach door near lavretsky's hand and he was happy borne along in the still warmth of the night never taking his eyes off the good young face listening to the young voice that was melodious even in a whisper as it spoke of simple good things he did not even notice that he had gone more than halfway he did not want to wake maria dmitrievna he lightly pressed lisa's hand and said i think we are friends now aren't we she nodded he stopped his horse and the coach rolled away lightly swaying and oscillating up and down lavretsky turned homeward at a walking pace the witchery of the summer night enfolded him all around him seemed suddenly so strange and at the same time so long known so sweetly familiar everywhere near and afar and one could see into the far distance though the eye could not make out clearly much of what was seen all was at peace youthful blossoming life seemed expressed in this deep peace lavretsky's horse stepped out bravely swaying evenly to right and left its great black shadow moved along beside it there was something strangely sweet in the tramp of its hoofs a strange charm 
in the ringing cry of the quails. The stars were lost in a bright mist. The moon, not yet at the full, shone with steady brilliance. Its light was shot in an azure stream over the sky and fell in patches of smoky gold on the thin clouds as they drifted near. The freshness of the air drew a slight moisture into the eyes, sweetly folded all the limbs, and flowed freely into the lungs. Lavretsky rejoiced in it, and was glad at his own rejoicing. Come, we are still alive, he thought. We have not been altogether destroyed by... He did not say by whom or by what. Then he fell to thinking of Lisa, that she could hardly love Panshin, that if he had met her under different circumstances, God knows what might have come of it, that he understood Lem, though Lisa had no words of her own, but that, he thought, was not true. She had words of her own. Don't speak light of that, came back to Lavretsky's mind. He rode a long way with his head bent in thought. Then, drawing himself up, he slowly repeated aloud, And I have burnt all I adored, and now I adore all that I burnt. Then he gave his horse a switch with a whip and galloped all the way home. Dismounting from his horse, he looked round for the last time with an involuntary smile of gratitude. Night, still, kindly night, stretched over hills and valleys, from afar out of its fragrant depths, God knows whence, whether from the heavens or the earth, rose a soft, gentle warmth. Lavretsky sent a last greeting to Lisa and ran up the steps. The next day passed rather dully. Rain was falling from early morning. Lem wore a scowl and kept more and more tightly compressing his lips, as though he had taken an oath never to open them again. When he went to his room, Lavretsky took up to bed with him a whole bundle of French newspapers, which had been lying for more than fortnight on his table, unopened. He began indifferently to tear open the wrappings and glanced hastily over the columns of the newspapers, in which, however, there was nothing new. He was just about to throw them down, and all at once he leaped out of bed as if he had been stung. In an article in one of the papers, Monsieur Jules, with whom we are already familiar, communicated to his readers a mournful intelligence that charming, fascinating Moscow lady, he wrote, one of the queens of fashion who adorned Parisian salons, Madame de Levretsky, had died almost suddenly, and this intelligence, unhappily only too well founded, had only just reached him, Monsieur Jules. He was, so he continued, he might say, a friend of the deceased. Lavretsky dressed, went out into the garden, and till morning he walked up and down the same path. End of chapters 26 and 27